You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. I'm talking to you from sunny California, and um, we're glad to be back for another great show. So please be seated. Um, and as we start off, I guess, and um, in a, in a note to some the special circumstances of today, you can call me Ishmael by the dawn's early light um, because me and Mr. Jones are like Romeo and Black Jeans, and we will survive our gangster's paradise. And no, I have not taken some um, uh, hallucinogenic drug, but today is the birthday of Herman Melville. Um, Francis Scott Key of the Star Spangled Banner fame, um, the Counting Crows lead singer, Christopher Penn, Coolio, and Jerry Garcia. So a happy birthday to all of those who are still alive. And if you've never read Moby Dick, you should. Um, but we have a great show today. We're going to be talking about um, Twinkies and Wise Guys and um, all the fun stuff about the internet. But um, we're going to start off by talking about the landmark settlement that has occurred um, with the Justice Department in settling with several um, online gambling sites. Um, they had brought in an indictment for um, more or less alleging a racketeering and a pyramid scheme and all sorts of uh, Ponzi schemes. And um, we now have a settlement of a $731 million settlement. And we're going to have um, Scott Wise, who is a correspondent um, with ESPN and who's been following the poker circuit for several years now, is going to be joining us momentarily um, to talk about that. And then when we get um, the second half, we have 
um, one of the geniuses of crowdsourcing. And um, we're really glad to be having um, Peter come. Peter Lamont uh, was actually a good sport. We actually um, were going to have him last week, and he agreed to come on this week instead so we could cover um, the issue of the online gun sales. So um, Peter's been a good sport, and we're looking forward to talking to him. But he's really making um, headlines in the area of crowdsourcing, and you should see some of the work they've been doing there at um, – he recently spoke at Crowdopolis, but he's a, a genius rocket, and uh, they've, they've really had some great content. So we'll look forward to talking to him in the second half hour. But um, to start off, um, do we have Scott? It's Gary, but yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that, Gary. Um, so, um, Gary, you've been, um, just by way of background, you You've actually been writing about and following the um, poker circuit now for about five years? Actually, a little longer than that. Uh, I, I, I made my first journey to the World Series of Poker in 2004, um, looking, uh, looking for, uh, for my music, as you could say. And as of 2006, I started writing about poker full-time. Uh, I've been with uh, ESPN.com since 2007, spent some time on the World Poker Tour, uh, you know, working with the company. Uh, and uh, with a number of other poker-based uh, publications. And what we refer to an event that's been known um, in the online poker industry as Black Monday. And, and why, what exactly is Black Monday? Uh, Black Friday, actually. Uh, Black Friday uh, is, is the name that we have for April fifteenth, two 2011. Uh, it's a popular moniker in the poker world because really it was a, it was a really ugly day for the denizens of that community. Um, essentially what happened was uh, after years uh, of uh, lack of clarity with regards to legality of online poker operating in the United States under the Safe Port Act of 2006, um, sorry, the UIGEA of 2006, um, the Department of Justice finally made it clear that they did not that that that, uh, that that there was something not entirely kosher about about operating an online poker room. Um, and to that effect, they brought charges against 11 individuals uh, who were either associated with one of three major poker websites or a payment processor for those sites. And as well, they seized the domain the uh, domain names of those websites. Those sites being PokerStars, uh, Full Tilt Poker and uh, ultimate bet. Um, those 11 persons were charged with, uh, with a number of charges, including uh, bank fraud, uh, money laundering, uh, and, you know, and you allude to the fact that later on the, the charges were actually amended to include you know, uh, you know, words like Ponzi. Um, but basically for the last, 13, uh, last 15 months now, uh, players who uh, had money on Full Tilt Poker have not been able to, to access their money. Full Tilt essentially uh, came grinding to a halt because the payment processor options became so entirely loaded and Department of Justice seized so many accounts that there's just not money with which to compensate players. And really, that was, that was the problem to begin with. The reason it was called a Ponzi scheme is because of the fact that Full Tilt Poker, despite making promises that uh, money would be available to to refund every player on the site if needed was actually using player money to pay for operations. Mm -hmm. uh, legally, they had an obligation to make sure they had that 
those finances available should every single one of their hundreds of thousands of customers simultaneously decide they want to log out, which is pretty much what happened after after Black Friday. Uh, and, and all that news yesterday, which was a very big deal for the book world, yesterday was easily big step in what's going to be the process that will get those players their money back. Now, um, let's take a step back and let's kind of put this a little bit of a context. And online gambling had been doing, you know, going gangbusters in the, the early part of the century and until along came a thing called Ugea, which is the um, – the, uh, <laughs> um, it's the – I do what the U is for in Ugea, but it's the Unlawful Interstate Gambling – Internet Gambling uh, Enforcement Act and um, basically shut down um, the online gambling industry overnight. Um, you had some publicly traded European um, gambling operations that went from being valued at close to $100 a share to being $2 a share. And it just dramatically changed the landscape. And so how was it that these companies were able to operate in a UGA, post-UGA framework? Well, it's interesting. When, when UIGA passed, it, it, it hypothetically changed the landscape. No one really knew for sure how it did so. So companies like Party Poker, which was publicly traded on on the English Stock Exchange, and therefore had an obligation to to be very careful, um, you know, immediately folded up their tents and left the United States. Um, while other companies like PokerStars had legal uh, expert, experts who were telling them, no, you know, you're still within your rights to operate as you have been. And PokerStars, in doing so, actually was able to massively increase their their share of the world. Um, excuse me, the the world market because of the fact that Party Poker was suddenly catering to far fewer players uh, and offering those remaining players that initial uh, number of options with regards to who their opposition was going to be. Um, so really, from, from 2006, October 2006, when the UIGA was passed to April 2011, nothing really happened. You know, uh, little things happened, but on a grander scale, it was kind of we were, we were kind of in this mode where at first everyone was really afraid of what UIGA meant. Nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened, and eventually everyone started getting comfortable with the status quo again. And that's why Black Friday was such a shock to the industry because everyone had become, I don't want to use the word complacent, there's a negative, negative connotation there, but just comfortable in their, in their skin again. Now, I recall immediately after UGA there was this concept of um, .NET sites, where a lot of some um, poker sites were offering sites that were not necessarily gambling sites, but just you know teaching you about poker and and, and whatnot. But that all, all ultimately um, led you down a path to a, a gambling site where you could wager. And, right. What you're talking and, about is called the affiliate model. Uh, essentially. Poker sites would set up these subsidiary companies who would, in one way, shape, or form, advertise uh, those, you know, the initial company. Um, so you'd have, for example, a news site uh, that would have articles about the goings on in the poker world with banner ads that said, if you click here, you'll get a certain percentage uh, as a bonus to your investment in an online site. Uh, and, and the, 
And the reason that was necessary was because the Justice Department had gone after online advertising for online gambling. And, you know, you had Sporting News and um, Google, Yahoo, um, Microsoft all make, making um, million-dollar consent decree payments. And so they figured that was the back door. And then I think that, that got shut down because it seemed that the law enforcement took the position that I, – I think I, I recall one analogy was that it was the – um, the the piano and out on and the porch at a whorehouse. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. They, they, it didn't entirely get shut down. Like they they tried to shut it down by by making unlawful dot com advertisements. Um, and what the poker sites started doing is setting up setting up dot uh, net versions of their sites that would in right. turn link to the dot coms. So the affiliate marketing continued after UIGA. You know, and it, then- yeah, it, just to add to that, you know, that kind of forward thinking uh, by the poker industry is kind of what created the Black Friday mess because, you know, it became this game, this cat and mouse game where the government would, would create a law and poker entities would then try to, instead of breaking the law, figure out a way to game the system as, you know, as poker people are, are prone to do. Exactly, um, yeah. And in this case, Full Tilt, it went so far with trying to game the system that what they ended up doing was breaking the law. You know, it's, it's essentially they were they were going through processors in a way that was not kosher. Um, and you know, I, I I think that for some there's a belief that they forgot that they weren't just playing a game. And um, so, if I played full tilt, I, I could make could I make money? Or would I be making my own? Was I get, was I wagering on full tilt, or was I getting prizes? Oh uh, no, yeah, you were, you were playing for money, and yes, you could certainly profit. Uh, one of the benefits of online poker is because they're serving so many players, they can offer a lower rake than a live casino would, and therefore they're actually offering a better opportunity to win. You know, ultimately you are playing against other players for their money, risking your own money, and if you play well or get lucky. Then you'll have you'd have the opportunity to take that money off the site. The problem was that Full Tilt was using that money in a way that they weren't supposed to, so that you know again going back to what I said earlier, if uh, if everyone wanted to withdraw their money simultaneously, that money would not have been available to make that happen. Precisely. So we're going to um, talk a little further about this with Gary um, when we come back after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with SearchMetrics.com. That's SearchMetrics.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS, text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm, sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. 
To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Radio's Virtual Autobahn. WebmasterRadio.fm. Moving at the speed of light. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica. And we're talking about the Justice Department um, $731 million settlement um, with the um, online gambling entities, the, the big um, big three companies, and um, it was kind of an, an offer you can't refuse. Um, Gary, tell us. I mean, basically, they said, "Give us all your assets, and and we'll let one of you live." <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's a little bit more complex than that. And, and calling an offer you can't refuse. Well, poker stars may have made out better in this deal than anybody. Um, so essentially, here's 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 the situation. Uh, Full tail poker had been had ground to a halt. Their assets were, you know, uh, becoming devalued, uh, and they had this situation where, you know, depending on who you ask, their owners wanted to make sure their clients got repaid. You know, uh, the the big issue that some people had with the idea of calling this whole thing a Ponzi scheme was the idea that, you know, a Ponzi scheme is intentional, and I I I think that a lot of people felt like Full Tilt Poker wasn't intentionally trying to take people's money and run. Uh, they were just, you know, being a little bit irresponsible and perhaps a little stupid in the way they were operating their company. Um, so anyways, uh, the Department of Justice now has this company that, that owes huge amounts of money, not only to non-American uh, citizens, but to Americans who have been hurt by the shutdown of the sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, PokerStars has a pretty strong majority, a pretty strong monopoly on, on the online poker market as, you know, before Black Friday, really, PokerStars and Full Tilt were considered to be the two, you know, solid citizens in, in an industry with a, with a lot of questionable characters. Um, so, really, the Full Tilt legal team wanted to arrange for a deal where they would be able to sell to, or not sell so much, but give controlling interest of their of their company and their assets to to uh, someone else. And really, PokerStars was. I, I think it's easy to say the best possible option for them because PokerStars understood the value of the brand. They understood uh, the place in the industry that Full Tilt had. had. You know, uh, obviously, PokerStars have been kind of looking across the bow uh, at, at Full Tilt for a long time, but you know, they, they obviously saw value in, in increasing their monopoly. Uh, and meanwhile, the Department of Justice you know, uh, was going to have trouble pers- you know, prosecuting the companies, um, 
you know, while owners were abroad. And so really, you know, these three entities came together in a range of deal where PokerStars takes control of the Full Tilt brand, and PokerStars has since announced that they will uh, they will uh, be operating Full Tilt Poker as, as a separate brand from here on out. Um, you know, but, why was why was that attractive to Full Tilt? Well, it's attractive to Full Tilt because essentially because they had they had legal issues. Um, they had legal issues and they had no money. Um, it was an opportunity to pay players back. It was an opportunity to get out of some of the legal hot water. Um, you know, with other people's uh, money. Okay. <laughs> with other people's money, because I then know. poker stars would be stepping up. Right. Um, so, essentially, the Department of Justice now has a lump, a, a lump payment from poker stars of $547 million. that will be used uh, in part to repay all the players in the United States whose, whose funds disappeared from full tilt. Um, poker stars is compensating non-Americans themselves. The problem is because it's illegal for poker stars to operate in the United States, it is illegal for poker stars to set up shop in such a way that, that full tilt's players could then retrieve their money. So instead, what will happen is American players will have to fill out what's called a petitioner of remission uh, with the Department of Justice. Uh, it's a standard form that's filled out by anybody who's subject to a mass fraud. Um, and, you know, essentially there's someone in Washington, and I'm still learning about the process myself. But there's somebody in Washington who ultimately will hold a very important rubber stamp uh, going through these assorted petitions for you know, that, that basically call for the return of, of online funds for Americans. Um, and, and through all this, PokerStars comes out looking beautiful because PokerStars gains a couple things out of this. Um, you know, their company is no longer uh, you know, is it, it, essentially exonerated. Um, he came out with a with a statement uh, saying, "You know, we have admitted to no wrongdoing." Uh, some people who would interpret, you know, you know, the fact that that uh, the Department of Justice hasn't said the same, but not to be charged with anything, or, or if they were charged with something, then they're not going to be uh, prosecuted. Uh, they come in a market there, and they also come out, frankly, looking like the white knights of the poker industry. You know, they're the guys who came in and saved the day by providing an option through which Full Tilt's former players can now do it. And uh, there, there's a lot of value to them. I have again, speaking just as an observer, uh, I, I, there's got to be a lot of value to them in looking as good as that makes them. Now, there were some, some communications that um, they won't do business in the U.S. until it's expressly legal to do so? Right. Um, PokerStars will not do business in the United States. They haven't done business in the United States since Black Friday. They will continue to not do so until any legislation passes that allows them to do so. Uh, Furthermore, they are allowed by the terms of the settlement to apply as any other other operator, like potential operator, if licensing regulation does become a reality in the United States. Now, this means that if, if, uh, if all is equal, then PokerStars will basically start that game with the most massive advantage in, you know, the most massive advantage in the history of the industry, um, which suggests that perhaps when states uh, go to pass the legislation, there might be language in the something to the effect of... Uh, only companies that did not operate in the United States during UIGA will be there for licensing. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that works out. 
Um, Chris Krause, a colleague of mine, uh, tweeted yesterday that of the 13 different state-level legislations that have been uh, drafted over the, over the last 15 months, year, uh, several of them had language essentially saying only those companies that did not serve Americans during 2006 and 2011 um, apply. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Well, especially since there was a you know, prior um, more or less trade war between um, the, the mighty giant of Antigua and the United States over um, prior exclusion from the online um, gambling market as violating um, GATT. And Antigua won. Um, somewhat of a fair victory, but... Uh, you know, it, it, we're, we're playing in a territory I haven't, I haven't read up about in, in, in over a year, but, um, you know, Antigua, not only did they win, but I, I think that most observers felt that they were, it was right that they did. Um, the United States, you know, uh, action, the Department of Justice action, deprived, the, deprived Antigua of... of you know, uh, of, of a lot of money, um, and you know, really hurt their uh, their GMP. So, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people felt that, that was justified. Yeah, I think at one point, I think one in ten or two in ten people in Antigua were working in online gambling, and and then that the you know, UGA just shut it down. But the uh, the interesting thing was that the remedy afforded to them was to be able to disregard our copyright laws and. Um, you know, they haven't dared go forward with that. So I'm not sure if Antigua's ever got any money out of this process. Um, but it seems to seems to have been just kind of slipped uh, slipped away in, through protracted negotiations over whether or not they, they can enforce it. Um, have, are, do you know anything more about the status of that? Yeah, I, I, I want to speculate. I don't actually have a, a concrete answer for you, but I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I mean, it's not like yeah, every, every, it's an everyday conversation. I don't you know. Hey, do you hear about the? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been more closely following the, the Haiti and Barbuda, and <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's it, it was a peculiar situation, and you know, it, it's the whole the, the mouse that roared syndrome. Um, but, um, so you see, is there an opening now? For um, poker stars, you think with with Delaware or some of these other places? Uh, like I said, it's, it's really going to depend on, on the language of, of legislation. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who have been predicting for a long time that legislation is right around the corner. Uh, of course, they've been saying that since 2006, and it hasn't happened. And I've I've become very cynical about it as a result. Um, but I, I think after the election year is done, there. You know, this might shine a slightly more positive light on the possibility of legislation. If that happens, poker stars could operate within the United States in one of two ways. Either they could operate themselves if the legislation allows for it, or they could be in the business of providing uh, licensed operators within the United States with the infrastructure on which to operate. They can, they can provide them a shell, as it were. It would look like poker stars, or it would taste like poker stars, or it would feel like poker stars, but it wouldn't be poker stars. Um, because the technology has value, um, and, uh, and and so yes, we could see increased poker stars involved in the United States, but I would hold your breath for at least the remainder of 2012 and maybe beyond. Yeah, I think is people underestimate the uh, the kind of um, conservative um, strain in the Republican Party of in terms of just being opposed to gambling. Well, well they- I I think that the the Republicans. 
have a southern base they have to deal with who you know, are obviously uh, they, they bring conservative values uh, and church-based values towards gambling that, that don't play well um, with a, the pro-gambling stance or a pro-poker stance. And there are those of poker, and myself included, who will point out that poker is a little more skill-based than most gambling. Um, the reality is you just don't get elected on a pro-poker stance. Um, and, you know, in, in Olympic, in some more Olympic years, that's a very big deal. Um, so uh, I, I think that our politicians will certainly show some caution over the next few months. Yeah, and then, of course, caution goes to the wind and lame duck. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, the way the way um, UIGA got passed in the first place. It was, it was a midnight vote. Uh, there was a skeletal crew available to raise hands, and, and uh, Bill Frisk got pushed through when he was making a push for the presidency. So, you know, uh, it, it would be just if it went the same way. Well, yeah, we shall see. I, I, I know Barney Frank tried when uh, he was still chairman, and you know, I think the most he got was some, um, some progress out of the banking committee. But uh, otherwise, it, it just didn't seem to get any much traction. Um, you know, it clearly for a revenue-starved country, um, this could be a, a you know boon for a revenue. But um, we shall see. Thank you for it's, not just, it's not just about revenue; it's also about personal rights. Uh, you know, it's, it's legal to have a handgun in your own home, but not to play online poker. True. And, uh, and there are some who would say that that is not constitutional. And um, very briefly, where where can people um, follow you and read more about what you have to say on online gambling? I appreciate you asking. Uh, I do a lot of my writing for ESPN.com/poker. Everybody should uh, go there for all their gambling, their poker news at least. We don't cover the other aspects of gambling. Uh, and then my personal Twitter account, I guess, uh, at GaryWise1, and that's number one. And where, where are you based? I'm sorry? Where are you based? I'm actually based in Toronto. Uh, so my observational vantage point is, is very observational when it comes to uh, this particular issue. I'm allowed to play online poker. It's, <laughs> you know, so it's, and uh, go to Cuba, too. <laughs> I'm sorry? And go to Cuba too. Yeah, that's, well, you know, I've actually never done that, but uh, at least I've done both at the same time. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's nice to have the option. Well, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to join us um, today on short notice. But uh, we w- it's been really instructive, and this is definitely an interesting development, and we're going to be following it as other states move along. But um, thanks a lot, and um, we look forward to talking to you in the future. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, our second segment, we're going to talk about crowdsourcing. And um, we just had a conference here in Los Angeles last week um, for Crowdopolis. And we're going to talk about that after these messages. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. 
Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Join the thousands of search and social media marketers at one of the largest events of the year, SES San Francisco 2012, August 13th through the 17th. Learn more at sesconference.com. SES San Francisco 2012 kicks off three days in sessions with a keynote presentation by Google digital marketing evangelist Avinash Kaushik speaking about business optimization in a digital age. Check out daily Meet the Expert roundtables where you can take part in intimate and informative discussions with industry icons. Add over 70 sessions, a crowded expo floor, on-site training at the Click Z Academy, the big search engine watch eliminator, goodbye, and webmasterradio.fm search bash, and you'll have SES San Francisco 2012, August 13th through the 17th. Register for SES San Francisco 2012 today by clicking on the banner ads from the webmasterradio.fm website or go now to sesconference.com. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. WebmasterRadio.fm. Get addicted. Get ahead. The best gavel to gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. We're here for the second segment of Cyber Law and Business Report. And we have Peter Lamont, and he's the, the president of um, Genius Rocket. And they are a, um, a crowdsourcing curator. And he's going to tell us a little more about that and his recent um, appearance at Crowdopolis. Um, there's a lot of buzz about um, Peter and um, Genius Rocket. Um, he's been called the um, the person that saved um, South by Southwest, and um, Fast Company referred to Genius Rocket as what an ad agency looks like when it is stripped of Madison Avenue skyscrapers, high-priced creatives on payrolls, um, sushi dinners at Nobu, and two-week shoots at the Viceroy's in Santa Monica, um, all of which I tend to kind of like. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, should we be happy about this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, first of all, the South by quote I had not heard. That is a uh, that's a, a huge compliment. We uh, we enjoyed that project. Um, and as for the fast company quote, I, I think it's very apt for what we do. Uh, the ad agencies might not like us stealing all of that, but uh, the brands sure do love that sort of savings without sacrificing cost. And that's what we do to sort of loop back into what Genius Rocket is. We're a creative agency focused on video content. So that means TV commercials, um, online ads, and video content is truly growing at a rate um, that is really insatiable for brands online. 
Uh, it is seen as the most effective means of reaching your customers and engaging them. Uh, but there's always been such a cost associated with it that it's been pretty difficult for small to medium-sized businesses to create any valuable content. It's great for a big brand that can throw millions of dollars out there, but uh, for someone to really generate uh, good quality content, it's always had such a high price tag. What Genius Rocket does through a crowdsourced model is deliver agency-level quality ideas and production at truly a fraction of the cost of the traditional means. Now, the the analogy you guys have used is that you're um, because you're you're transparent about who you use, and so if uh, a company wants to do business with you know, one of your um, contributors uh, on their own, they're free to do so. Sure. And so you, the analogy I've heard you use is that you're like a AAA farm team and you're, you're servicing the majors. And you know, one of the, um, you know, having lived in minor league cities, <laughs> is that the downside is that you, you have some, some years you're really good and some years you really suck. Sure. And, uh, and so, you know, I don't know if that, that applies as much in the business context or not. Well, not every ad we create wins awards, that's for sure. Um, but that is uh, to sort of take the two extremes. You have the contest model, which is the really most pure crowdsourcing model. And that means anyone can participate. The best example that most people know about is the Kraft, the Super Bowl ad campaigns that Doritos does every year. They get – Those are hysterical. I could be wrong on this. It, it could be 4,000 submissions. It's open to anybody. The opposite side of that is the agency world. They are delivering, if you've seen the pitch on AMC, a perfect example. They'll, they'll go to a client. They'll go back home, and they will come up with you know, maybe two teams will pitch three different ideas. So you have on one end 6,000 ideas, 4,000 ideas, and then on the agency you might be delivering maybe let's say five ideas, but it's generated from one, one or two internal teams. So what Genius Rocket does is we take the control, privacy, and oversight that an agency provides. And then we take that crowdsourcing side, which is based upon uh, uh, the crowd. What we do that is different is we make sure that that is a curated crowd. We make sure that people that belong to our community are uh, experts, they are professionals, they have experience in the field. So we have to give you – we had a great quote recently in an article that said, um, you know, it's harder to get into Genius Rocket than it is to get into Harvard. And the reason is, is that we really do focus on curation. We make sure that our crowd are not students and amateurs and anyone. We're making sure that they are creative directors with experience with major brands. We're making sure that they are writers that have worked on national ad campaigns so that when a brand comes to us and they say – we have this content need, whether it's online, whether it's a, a full you know, TV ad of high quality, that we're going to be delivering them at least typically uh, 20 to 30 original ideas from original parties, not five people getting together. Now, to your point, our goal is to really tap into the creative forces that aren't just in Los Angeles or in New York City, but around mm -hmm. the country. And if a brand says to us, gosh, we really like working with Bennett out of Omaha, we uh, like to work with them again, we make that happen. And we still provide that back-end control, privacy, 
an oversight uh, on the uh, that an agency provides for the process. Now, what is the uh, inter- yeah? I know you're a relatively young company, but in terms of the lifespan, um, once people are, are part of this curated crowd, um, you know, have you lost a lot of people to you know, them dealing directly or moving on on their own, or are you able to re- kind of retain a, a key core? No, with it, it's funny when we first started in late 2007. All the way to 2011, we were a contest site. We grew our community in excess of 20,000 participants. And what any crowdsourcing or contest website out there will tell you is that pay no attention to their community size. It's great for marketing, but it really isn't indicative of how many people are participating. So we had a major problem with attrition in our old days because contest asked people to work for free. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't do that at Genius Rocket, and that's one of the benefits of curated crowdsourcing. We have professionals. We pay them for their services. Uh, anything that they pitch, they own until it is purchased. And what then happens is we really become almost like the sales force for these creatives and these production companies. We've had one creative team in Rhode Island that last year in 2011 made uh, for $150,000 just through Genius Rocket. And keep in mind, they're doing this. This isn't their full-time means. They have their own agency, with their own uh, or their own company with their own sales staff and their own business. Interesting. And now, um, of course, we all know the internet runs through Rhode Island. If you've listened to the show, it seems we always have people guests from Rhode Island. But um, now, what I want to ask you about is Audio Technica. Now, was that done? Through the contest model, or is that done through the curated model? That was done through the curated model. In the 2011, we stepped aside and closed down the contest. There are plenty of sites out there that still do that, and they have a benefit of getting amateurs and students to make crazy, wacky ideas. And and I think the the, the Super Bowl ad is a perfect example. They have been done through the contest, and they typically cater to funny, sophomoric ideas. A lot of people get hit, a lot of people getting knocked out, animals, things like that. Um, with and, and it's not that we can't do that within our own model. It's just that we tend to focus on, uh, when, when we're not getting 6,000 solicitations, but we're really focused on getting the right idea. Audio Tech came to us, funny enough, because you mentioned earlier, we met Audio Tech at South by Southwest two years ago. And we talked to them on occasion across the course of two years. Uh, but the right project never came up. And because of our cost benefit and this idea we can generate a lot of really unique and great ideas, um, they took a swing at that. And first they did it with their B2C campaign and then a B2B campaign. And we created three videos for them, and we continue to work with them on, on, on current projects. But the point is, and I think you might be alluding to the uh, B2C campaign with Marquis Scott, who is an internet by any definition. They came to we the same process that I mentioned. We put together a strategic creative brief. We then uh, went to our community of, of production company directors, so we allowed them to come up with ideas. We go to creative writers, we go to creative directors. And what we do is we narrow down the community based upon their skill set. And with that that we solicited, I believe it was over 30 ideas for Audio-Technica, just the B2C ad campaign. And this 
uh, team out of Atlanta put together uh, this video. They even they were responsible for getting Marquise Scott, who at that point had about 10 million views on him dancing uh, online. Uh, I looked at it the other day. Mark on that same video has something like 35 million views. So it came with a built-in audience. We crowdsourced the idea. We then found the, the actor. We oversaw all of the production meeting. And this is where we're this is where we get the blend of the agency. We'll crowdsource the idea, but then we put that oversight around an agency. So we, we went through auditions, uh, location shoots, or lo, you know, location photo, any hero shots, uh, as we call it. So if there's a bike they're going to be riding, make sure we got the right-looking bike. And then we actually encourage the client to be on set, which is not typically the part of a contest. It's just almost impossible to have a client involved with a contest. Uh, that gives an oversight not just from the production company, but from us as the agency as well as uh, the client being there because there's always something. Now, the ad that you did was, was, was really you know, was breathtaking. I was really impressed by it. And it made me think of, and it, it dawned on me that you know, this may not even be in your kind of consciousness because um, you know, you're somewhat younger. Um, there was an, a 1970s campaign, or uh, maybe it was early 80s, for Memorex. Um, and it was just a guy sitting in his chair listening to music, but sure. it was so strong that it was actually generating a wind tunnel. And, mm-hmm. um, and there's kind of a, um, an iconic photo of him sitting in his chair while everything is blowing behind him. Absolutely. And w- watching that uh, um, video just reminded me of that ad. I hadn't thought about that in ages, and, 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 which also is a good thing because it reminded me of something of iconic. Yeah, it goes to show you, and I've learned a lot. I come from the marketing side of the world, not the ad agency side of the world. Uh, so I have learned a lot in this in this process. And when we created this new approach, meaning when we left the contest world and created what we coined as curated sourcing, and the easiest way to say that is we just, like I said, took what was great about contest and what were what's great about agencies and put them together. And a lot of that is affordability, and a lot of it is choice, but. I have learned a lot about what makes an ad work, um, and you can have a really bad ad with great production quality, and it's still going to be a really bad ad. And you can have a great idea with mediocre production company, and it's still going to that great idea is going to shine through. And Marquis Scott really brought a talent that is unique. And I'll tell you, the great thing about Marquis is that he, when he did that ad, I believe we were the first ad that he had done, at least uh, of, with such a major brand. He's out of Atlanta. But since then, he's done one with Coca-Cola. He did a national spot with Roomba. Uh, he did a national spot with Peugeot uh, uh, cars. I mean, it's just been an absolute huge success. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, I looked at a lot of the stuff that you had, um, and you know, like the Dorito – Ad, I thought, well, this is really funny, and it laughed. But that ad, I actually, I, I grabbed my wife. I said, "You got to see this." Um, but so I hope people will, will check it out on your website. But we're going to take a short break. We'll come back. Um, we're going to be talking more about crowdsourcing and um, hear more about a, maybe even Crowdopolis. Yeah, love to. Messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Rise, links, and web indexes. 
Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. Let's go inside WebmasterRadio.fm production studio where the production team is stitching up podcasts to load up into the WebmasterRadio.fm stitcher channel. Rock on, Laurie, and rock the world with LinkedIn. Welcome to Domain Masters, the show where you learn to be the master of your domain. Yeah, I want to welcome you to this edition of the SEO Rockstars. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly, and you're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report. And welcome to CEO Coach. Listen to all of your favorite WebmasterRadio.fm podcasts without downloading. Only on the WebmasterRadio.fm Stitcher channel. Just click on the Stitcher banner on our website. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back and we're talking with Peter Lamont, who has become a thought leader on the subject of crowdsourcing. And um, Peter, you've been um, featured at a number of conferences, most recently Crowdopolis, which i got to give him credit, one, for creativity for the name, and two, they have a great poster. Isn't that a great poster? I... Uh I, I wish they had done more with that poster. I actually requested a, 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 H, a high definition uh, PDF of that so I could print it out myself. Um, Crowdopolis, it, with any emerging sort of niche industry, uh, if you can call crowdsourcing an industry, it's really more of a, a methodology or, or a means uh, because it goes across so many industries. But Crowdopolis, in my opinion, was the first one uh, that really brought not only the people that live and breathe it, but the people who are interested in it. I've been to a few crowdsourcing conferences, and it tends to be a, um, a bunch of us just sitting around saying how great it is that we're changing our industries that we're in. This actually had some great input from, I think, GE was there and Amazon and eBay and some great companies that are using crowdsourcing. And crowdsourcing really is something that is not limited uh, it started out years ago or really took off with companies like Innocentive that took it to science. We were in the early days of the creative crowdsourcing world, and now crowdfunding is really taking off. And here in D.C., uh, you know, the crowdfunding bill recently passed. But, you know, it's interesting. It, the perfect example of how this world we live in is taking uh, shape. We're a creative crowdsourcing agency really making a difference, being a disruptive industry, and we're based in Washington, D.C., which, with the exception of AOL a few years ago, has never been known as a technology hub. And it really is showing that the entrepreneurial spirit is here in D.C. It's showing that these startup companies like Genius Rocket can really come out of nowhere. And you don't have to be in Silicon Valley. You don't have to be in New York. And D.C., while it's not a small town, it's not known for its entrepreneurial spirit uh, but it's really transforming. So from Crowdopolis, where, which was in L.A., it was a great experience. And then uh, in, here in Washington, D.C., we're, we're just happy to be based here because there's so much going on around crowdsourcing from a, a 
nationwide level. And you're also in the city where it looks like um, the Washington Nationals may break the streak of losing seasons going back to the 1969 Senators. It, it, it's pretty amazing. It's a good time to be here. And, and I am, I've never been a huge baseball fan my whole life, even though my dad was the Mets at one point. But I was <laughs> – I loved those Nats games. I mean, there's finally a team. And part of it is because D.C. is such a transitional city. Not many people grew up in D.C. Very few people's parents rooted for D.C. teams because their parents, you know, they grew up somewhere else. So it's nice to have that city spirit going. It definitely is. Now, we only got a few minutes left. Um, if people want to learn more about you, know, you and what you're up to and um, your, your company, where, sh- where should they look? And where, where's your next speaking gig? Um, I'm trying to think where the next speaking gig is. I believe it's in Chicago in uh, October. But the oh no September but the uh, Genius Rocket is the website and it's, that's just geniusrocket.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. We we try and provide some some thought leadership as well through Twitter and Facebook. And uh, if anyone has any questions, I would say just reach out to me directly through our website or or uh, on Twitter, which is just Peter Lamont. That's L A M O T T E. Um, uh, on Twitter, I'd be happy to talk to anyone about crowdsourcing. You know, there's good and bad of any industry, and crowdsourcing has had its low times uh, around spec work, especially in the creative sense, but it's really taking off to benefit everybody involved. Thank you very much, Peter, and I hope we can continue this conversation. Um, it's been great having you. Um, next week, we may have a guest who was involved in one of the most controversial and tragic uh, Olympics of. of of modern history and we'll have more information um later next week but um next week could be a very special show and on in, in, in keeping with the olympic spirit but this is bennett kelly with internet law center you've been listening to cyber law and business report i want to thank you for joining us court is adjourned and we'll see you next week This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. 
Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.